Amen. So we're going to continue our Holy Spirit series. Uh, I, some of you are antsy to probably move on, but I really just think this is such a powerful teaching that we just can't move on until we've exhausted this. And I'm learning something every week just by preparing. I hope you're learning something. And right now we're kind of talking about what it means to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Uh, because we only have a, a short amount of time on Sunday, that's why it just takes you know weeks to get through this. Uh, honestly, you could probably talk about the Holy Spirit for five years and still not cover everything, right? But what I, what I hope you don't experience this morning is just church. We hope that you experience something that radically changes your life, right? Now, I was thinking, before I actually got into the meat of this, I was thinking, again, because it's been two weeks since we've talked about it, why is this series so important? Why is this series about the Holy Spirit? Why is learning to be intimate with the Holy Spirit and not just praying to Jesus and God? Why is this relationship with the Holy Spirit so important? You know, it's because the world and our society has taught us something over the years that I believe can lead you astray if you're not careful. Have you ever heard the saying, just follow your heart? Yeah, follow your heart right into that inappropriate relationship. Just listen to your heart, or maybe you've heard, follow your gut instinct, and your gut told you that getting drunk or getting high is not a big deal. Just follow your heart, follow your gut. I believe that the only time that that is true is if your heart and your spirit are filled with the Spirit of God. Let me repeat that. The only time I believe just follow your heart is true is if your heart is filled with the Spirit of God. Then allow your heart to guide you. Then and only then should you listen to your gut instinct. Otherwise, it's just your flesh speaking. Just follow the Spirit would be a better saying. Do you agree? Just follow the Spirit. As, listen, here's the caveat. As long as you don't abuse that. What do I mean by that? I hear it all the time. It's a statement that people use to get what they want. Right? We better be very careful saying the Spirit told me. God told me to marry him, even though he doesn't believe in God and thinks Christianity is a joke. When 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And yet I see Christians saying that all the time. God told me to move in with them because he loves me. God told me to buy that car even though I don't have the money to pay for it and now I can't give to the church because of my car payments. You getting my point? We abuse God's name and we try to spiritualize our fleshly desires by putting God's name tag on that. And it needs to stop. I think we need to have some reverence for the Holy Spirit and not just throw his name around just so we can get what we want. We have to be very careful. So I just want, this is my first statement of the day. So today's not going to start out good, but I promise you it's going to end good, okay? The first part, you better have your steel toe boots on. It's a little rough. It was rough for me. Remember, anything I'm preaching at you, I've already spent days on. So it's been rough for me. The Holy Spirit will not tell you something that is contrary to the Word of God. So moving in with that person and having sex before marriage is not the Word of God. Sorry, not sorry, just not. 
can write it in your notes. I believe on purpose I left you a little space above your notes just for that statement. The Holy Spirit will never tell you something that's contrary to the Word of God. The point is this. We have to, believers, we have to learn to distinguish between our flesh and our spirit. We just have to learn that. It's a journey. It's not going to happen overnight. It's days and days and hours and hours and days and days and months and months and years and years of walking with the Spirit to know whether it's you or the Spirit. It just takes time. And I don't know anybody that's perfect at it. So don't be looking at me. Don't be looking at Angel and thinking, well, if I, if I just do it the way they do it. No, we get it wrong, too. You know, we, we still have this. Well, wow, that's... Yeah, I'm not going to pinch down there, but... We still have flesh. We still get it wrong. We still say God told me when actually it was probably our flesh. So just relax. It's a journey, but we, but we want to never get it wrong. That's what we're striving for. I also think that this series is important because most of us thought that the Holy Spirit was just a New Testament idea. I hope you know by now through this series that he was active in the beginning of God's story, right? Genesis 1-2, remember this? The earth was without form and void, so nothing was created yet. And well, technically, the universe was. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And he was hovering there, and he was waiting there and saying, tell me when, God. Tell me when, because I'm going to be part of this. Even though they forgot about me, I was right there from the beginning. I helped you form this. And yet they're denying me now because they're scared of me because they think I'm just a New Testament God. When I was right there from the beginning in verse 2, before man was even created, before they were even created, I was there. I was hanging with them. Did you know that the Holy Spirit was also active in the middle of God's story? In the middle, not just in the beginning and then the New Testament when the charismatic stuff started happening. He was in the desert with the children of Israel and Moses. You may not know this because we don't think about the Holy Spirit in this way, but just as he was with Jesus in the desert place as Angel preached on in the New Testament, here is Isaiah talking about the Spirit's influence on them while they were in their desert, desert place. And Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 63, if you want to turn there, it's page 741 in the Bibles under the chairs in front of you if you can find one. 741, Isaiah chapter 63. This passage that I'm going to read is going to sound harsh, especially when you're preaching to a society that only wants to be rewarded and not punished. But this is how I'm going to start out today, by showing you what happens when you don't follow, when you don't listen, when you don't obey, or when you lie to the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to finish up with the kind of sermon that you all like to listen to. Do we realize that this is all supposed to be encouraging? Even when we're reading something like we're about to read about God's vengeance on his own children, do we understand that even when he is disciplining his children, that it's for their good? Why does he do it? Because he wants them to turn their hearts back to him. Because there's safety in our daddy's arms. To turn from evil is his goal. He does it to bring redemption. In fact, I believe this chapter is called The Vengeance and Redemption of God. Something like that. He wants to bring redemption. Do you know what redemption means? To save us from sin and evil. So that, so that we can experience his glory, his promises, and his favor. So let's just remember that as we read this story. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. It's going to be very quick. We're going to get into another story that's going to bum you out, and then we're going to get into the good stuff that you come to church for. All right? 
Isaiah 63, 8 through 10. This is Isaiah taking us back to when God made a covenant with his people. A covenant, by the way, that is based on the assumption that they would not fail in fulfilling their part. What was their part? He said, children who will not lie to me. To God, to men, or to one another. Lying is a big deal. I believe, I don't know if I can find it in the Bible, but I've always heard growing up that there's a deep, dark place for liars in hell. So to be careful, okay? What is our part? Not to lie, not to fall away from God into idolatry or anything that is not of God. Ready? Verse 8, Isaiah 63. He said, surely they are, they are my people. Children who will be what? Okay, one person gets it. Children who will be what? Go ahead. True to me. Are you afraid to say it? True to me. Not to me, to God. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, I just highlighted this because it's only in bold and white, but I just thought this was cool because it goes right along with our word this morning. In all their distress, he too was distressed. He cares about you. When you're distressed, he's distressed because he just doesn't like to see his children distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Remember that? Remember the covenant God had with you? Yet, verse 10 says, they rebelled and they grieved the Holy Spirit. So what was God's response to that? He turned and became their enemy and he himself fought against them. What a strong, harsh statement. I don't know about you, but I don't want that for my life. I don't want God to turn against me and fight against me. Here's my point in your notes. God loves the Holy Spirit so much that he rebuked the children of Israel severely for their disobedience. He loves the Holy Spirit so much that he rebuked his own children for their disobedience. Do you know that God didn't even allow a sacrifice or even the prayers of Moses to supply forgiveness for sinning against the Holy Spirit? And that's why in the New Testament it reminds us that it's the one sin that you won't be pardoned for from i believe it's hard for believers to do that very difficult if not impossible but it's possible for someone to do it children of israel did it moses couldn't do anything to save his children and lots of people died in the desert because of it so let's continue this point before we get to the fun stuff go with me to acts chapter 5 acts chapter 5 page 1081 in the bibles in front of you acts chapter 5 this is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira. Some of you may be familiar with this story. Some of you may not be. But it's a New Testament version. A New Testament version in case you're like, the Old Testament is worthless. If you think that, then this is a New Testament version of what we just read in Isaiah. For those who struggle with the Old Testament. Most of you are familiar with it, but some may not be. So let's apply this story to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Acts 5, 1 through 11. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he what? Hmm. Now don't get hung up on the money thing, because some of us are keeping back our time, our talents, and our possessions. Right? And, or our time and a talent, not just our possessions. He kept back part of the money for himself. Everybody say, for himself. Okay, think, I want you to think about our society that every day grows more and more selfish. It's one of the signs of the end times, by the way. They will be lovers of themselves. 
It was an issue back then, but it's really becoming a major issue now, right? With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has, to, has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received of the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? After it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God himself. Verse 5. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Oh, snap. I didn't give all my tithe, and I literally died on my way back to the seat? Whoa, snap. A great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her in verse 9, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And see, people don't like these messages, but there's a reason to have a healthy fear of God, a holy fear of God, a reverence for God, that if I hold back on him, I may die. The end, that's it. That's all that's said about Ananias and Sapphira's story. Boom, drop the mic. It's over. It only took 11 verses to make a point in your notes. This is what happens when you disregard the Spirit of God. You may not die instantly, but maybe over time, a slow fade. You may not even die a physical death. Maybe it'll be a spiritual death and you won't know about it till on your judgment day. You held back on me. I don't know who you are. I don't know. The point is this. Sin against the Spirit is dangerous. If you don't understand the works of the Spirit, be careful talking about them. And let's start praying. This is where our hearts should be. Let's start praying that everything we do will be in the Spirit's perfect will. Right? Let me repeat that. Let's start getting on our knees and praying that everything I do will be in the Spirit's perfect will. And allow him to control us, allow him to be our boss and take charge of our lives, right? Why? Because he's the one that was sent to be with us. He was the one sent to be in you forever. And way too many Christians don't know that. You see, in the Old Testament, Moses goes to the Father. In the New Testament, the disciples go to the Son. But when we have a need, where do we go? To the Holy Spirit. You see the brilliance of the Trinity? He is a person and he's waiting right now for you to welcome him into your life and take control. So listen closely to this in your notes. By seeking his presence, by seeking his presence, you're going to discover the secret of the great men and women of God. By seeking the Holy Spirit's presence, you're going to be led in on some secrets of the great men and women of the Bible. David, what did David say? Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He knew too well what happened when the Spirit left Saul. He saw it firsthand. 
Paul told us to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit. Peter and Philip spoke of the Spirit often, and so did Jesus Christ. How can we do any less? That's a question that we've been asking all throughout this series. So just a couple of lessons on Ananias and Sapphira before we move on into to, to the good part, all right? Number one is when they lied to Peter, it was the same as lying to the Holy Spirit. When we lie to each other, we are at the same time lying to the Holy Spirit. I just want you to think about that. Lying is a big deal. Number two, just like we justify our sin sometimes, you know how we blame others or we excuse our sin away as not a big deal? They probably, Ananias and Sapphira, in their own mind, had a good reason or excuse not to give everything they were supposed to give. This is kind of like what we do with tithing, right? Well, I, can't, I just can't afford it this week. $5 is good enough. They're lucky they're getting anything from me, right? They justified their action instead of obeying the Spirit of God. Let me repeat that. They justified their action instead of obeying the Spirit of God through their leader, Peter. Third, listen to this carefully. I don't know if we realize, I really don't know if we realize how much the Holy Spirit is connected to and in love with God's church. Do we realize how much he loves God's church? The Holy Spirit we're talking about. When they kept a portion that was supposed to go to the church, they thought they were just acting against Peter. They thought they were just fooling the pastor. But they found out very quickly that they grieved the Holy Spirit so much so that they lost their lives. So I want you to think of the, about those who just attend church and they don't give their time, they don't give their talent, and they either give a little of their possession or none at all. You know what? They look good because they're attending church. But they hold back and they only give a little. Instead of asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to give of my time, talents, and money or possessions and then obey him completely in that, right? I just think some of these people that attend church are in for a rude awakening at Judgment Day. They're, they're just not going to make, you know, I'm not saying they're not going to make it, but they're just going to have a lot less that survives the fire of God. Number four, Ananias and Sapphira thought that they could fool Peter. But because Peter, listen, was full of the Holy Spirit, they couldn't put one pass on the Spirit of God. They couldn't put it past them because Peter was just too full of the Spirit. And God doesn't mess around with people who hold back on him, right? I'm just saying, you can lie to me and get away with it for a while, but you cannot lie to God and get away with anything, even your life. Number five, they probably thought that their good action, I mean, if you think about this, they still gave a lot of money to the church. They probably thought their good action would outweigh their sin. They were dead wrong, pun intended. They were dead wrong. Good people don't go to heaven, folks. Forgiven people go to heaven, right? What was the root of their sin? I believe it was selfishness. They just thought that maybe if they obeyed the word of God that they wouldn't have enough for themselves. I want you to think about that. If I obey God and what he tells me, I'm not going to have enough. If I actually give what he's telling me to give of myself, my time, my talent, my possession, I'm not going to have enough for me. That's what they thought. So they held back. I want you to let that sink in. I'm too busy to serve at the church. I don't make enough to tithe. I can't serve downstairs because I don't want to miss the sermon. I'll just throw in a rolled up $5 bill. No one will know how much I'm giving, but boy, I'll look good going up front and putting something in the plate, right? I just want you to hear the word of God today. This stuff that we're talking about, because we're about to move into the fun stuff that you're going to like, this stuff that we just discussed brings spiritual death. 
It's the word of God. It's not my idea, okay? Stop looking at me like I'm being, like you hate me right now. All right, so that's what happens when you ignore or lie to. It's just one example or disobey or, uh, and disregard the spirit of God. If you're a little uncomfortable with what we just talked about, good. Because it's meant to, be, meant to make you a little uncomfortable and bring conviction to your heart. So that's what happens when you ignore or lie to or disobey or disregard the spirit of God. Listen, as believers. Because unbelievers don't have him yet, but you do. Listen, the spirit of God is chasing them down but they have not yet surrendered their life to him. And sadly, as I'm finding out more and more every day, way too many Christians haven't either, but we're starting to, right? So listen, when the, in the New Testament it says, when the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, you need to understand it, it didn't happen in a church building. It happened in a home. They were sitting in a house and the Holy Spirit came upon 120 believers who became the temple of God. This marked the age of the Spirit. The beginning of the age of the Spirit happened in a home when 120 believers received the Holy Spirit, and they were so full because you know what God's purpose is? God's purpose is that the Holy Spirit could be released among the nations through you and me. That's why he wants you to be so surrendered and yielded to the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be so full of it because God has a plan. He wants to infect the nations. So Benny Hinn said this in his book, uh, Good Morning Holy Spirit. The 120 were so filled with the Spirit that they could not stand under their own power. The Spirit was so mighty that he took control over the actions of the believers. He was at work changing their speech, their emotions, and their behavior. What Jerusalem witnessed was not drunkenness, but the incredible joy that comes when the Spirit takes control. And then he goes, said something really funny that I almost left out, but I just thought it was funny for those of you that judge him. He goes, I've been accused of such things myself. <laughs> the second part of my message for you today is, is exactly this in your notes. The Holy Spirit gives tremendous authority to those who have received him. Hence the title of the message, Tremendous Authority. Can we just... I don't know. I don't know how to let this sink into all your issues and your circumstances and your flesh. But can you just let that statement, don't look at me, look at that statement. And can you just receive this this morning? Because some of you are supposed to be walking in way more authority than you're walking in. We're not supposed to be walking in defeat and hopelessness and anxiety and fear and worry. We're supposed to be walking in tremendous authority. And so if you're not, that means you haven't yielded yourself fully to the Holy Spirit yet. And that's okay. You just need to learn to and give more and more of him every day of yourself. You need to die to yourself, right? The Holy Spirit gives tremendous authority to those who received him, and we can prove it. Because how else does Peter and John go from hiding, hiding, cowering in a house, afraid to look at anybody in case they might be recognized as one of the followers of Jesus? How else do Peter and John go from hiding to looking into a beggar's eyes who was lame from birth as they were walking to church one day, and Peter looks at him and says loudly and boldly, he says, look at us. Look at us. How does he go from like, oh, I hope nobody recognizes me, to looking at somebody and going, look at us. We have something for you. Silver and gold? I don't have. I'm a disciple. I'm pretty poor. I've been hanging out with Jesus and he didn't have a job. So, yeah. 
They had a lot, so I'm just joking. That was a joke. Silver and gold I do not have for you, but what I have I give you. I want you to think about Peter. He shouted, look at me in the eyes. I want to pierce your soul. I want to get to the, to the, to the, the spirit of, um, what would you call it, lameness? Because he was lame from birth. I want to speak to the spirit that's in you. I'm looking past your flesh. I'm not judging you because you're begging, because you've been lame from birth. I have a solution for you. I have an answer for you. Look at me. This is little cowering Peter and John hiding in a building for, I don't know, weeks, months. And now they're out in public and they're screaming, Look at us, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Instantly the man was healed. And that is New Testament theology, by the way. Healing is for today. Boom, the Holy Spirit gives tremendous authority to those who have received him. It is amazing to see and watch a man or woman who is completely given over to the Holy Spirit. Peter was filled with a boldness and a power that he had never known before. Let me repeat that. Peter was now filled with a boldness and power that he had never known before. And that's what God wants for you today. The man follows Peter and John to church, leaping and dancing, the Bible says, all the way. After all, you would too if you hadn't walked your entire life. And when they showed up at church, you know, you know that the place where they're believers the place where everybody believes in healing and everybody believes in God and everybody believes in the miraculous. He comes leaping and dancing in to celebrate the miracle of healing. And let me tell you what happened in that church. Revival broke out. The church rejoiced. They had dinners. They made t-shirts. They worshiped for days and days and days. Nope. That's not what happened. Just like what's happening in today's church. If your church is moving in healing, then you're a charismatic church. You better not go there. They're crazies. They didn't make t-shirts. They didn't have dinners. They didn't worship for days. Revival broke out. It only says that in Jerry's Bible. It doesn't say it in the word of God, okay? The Bible says the, the religious leaders and the Christians and the believers, they were greatly disturbed by this. They actually seized Peter and John and they put him in jail for a night. And that is another sermon that we already shared. Church, pastors, wake up, stop living and leading in fear, right? My point today is this, in your notes, I love this statement. This is not a yesterday experience. This is not a yesterday experience. The power and authority that the disciples received changed lives for eternity, and their ministry was followed by many, the Bible says, many signs and wonders, many Many. It was daily. It was normal. It was many. This is not a yesterday experience. This is a today experience. Tina was just telling me a story this morning how she just led somebody to work to the Lord. It happens today. Do you believe that? What was the results? The Bible says multitude of believers were added to their numbers daily. Multitudes. Maybe this is why we don't see very many salvations and healings today. Because believers today don't believe in the power and authority that comes from walking and living in the Holy Spirit. I don't know. We're always wondering, why aren't there healings in America like there are in other countries? It could be that because we, we've kicked the Holy Spirit out of our lives. They don't believe, we don't believe, some of us, that this is a today experience. And some of you are so new to the faith, you're thinking, yeah, that'll, it, maybe in 10 years, maybe in 10 years when I'm like, um, you know, Amy or 
Pastor Josh, maybe in 10 years when I have their faith, when I have... No, it's for you today. If you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, start walking in your authority for your own life and for other people's lives. You need to start saying to people, you don't have to keep living that way. You don't have to keep living that way. Meth does not have to rule you. I have an answer for you. Look at me. Rise up and come out of the tomb of your addiction, right? What happened in the upper room many years ago, my point is, is, is was not a one-time event. It was not a footnote of history. They released the age of the spirit, which we are still in church. We are still in the age of the spirit. Are you taking advantage of that? Peter was then called before the Sanhedrin over the healing of his beggar. What is the Sanhedrin? I want you to think about this. Back then, the church had their own court system. <laughs> Thank God we don't have that today. Because some of you would not be here, you know, probably me, right? Whew, thank you, Jesus, for abolishing that. Surely Peter is going to go back and give in to the spirit of fear, right? He's now being called before the church court system. Surely he's going to give in to the flesh. I mean, that's scary because these people put people to death. Jesus is proof of that. The Bible says in Acts 4, 8, Then Peter stood before the Sanhedrin. What does it say? What does it say? There's your key to walking in victory. There's your key to walking in tremendous authority. Peter stood before his critics filled with the Holy Spirit and said this to them. And I'm not going to read it. You'll have to read it on your own. Because that boy was on fire and he let him have it. With a gentle, loving way of letting him have it. He, didn't, he wasn't out of control. His emotions were in control. And he just said, we did this in the name of Jesus. Why are you accusing us of healing? We never do anything out of our own power. It's because of the Spirit of God in us, right? Peter was so full of the Holy Spirit that he had authority over his critics. Listen, I came up with this word. I, it's great. He was undaunted by his critics. Do you know what undaunted means? Because some of you need to hear this in light of all the words that were given this morning. Undaunted means not intimidated, not discouraged by difficulty, not uh, intimidated by danger, and not intimidated by disappointment. He was undaunted in front of his critics. In your notes, do you realize that you can be so full of the Holy Spirit that you fear absolutely no one? Do you realize that? You, and I mean you, you could stand before a leader of a nation and address him with no anxiety and no fear. Can you imagine getting a call tomorrow saying Donald Trump has called you to the White House because the Holy Spirit put your name on his heart and he looked you up through the IRS and he found you and he wants you to come because he feels like you have a word from God for him. What would you do? Ooh boy, I want to be Peter. I want to be Peter. I'd be falling apart on the way, but I would be asking the Holy Spirit, please be with me, please be with me, please be with me. I can't do this. I can't do this. What am I going to say? But if we yield to the Holy Spirit, you will not only give him a word from God, you will deliver it with authority and power because it's not about you. Peter never took credit for the healing. You can be so full of the Holy Spirit that you fear absolutely no one, and I mean no one. The Spirit of God has a way of lifting your head, squaring your shoulders, and imparting into you an unexpected confidence. He does. 
It was no longer Peter the meek, it was Peter the mighty, right? What a change the Spirit of God made in him. He was so filled that he was able to challenge Ananias. Remember back in the story? Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? That's a bold statement to question another believer. We desperately need this back in the church. Believers who have the boldness to confront the lies that other believers are speaking. Well, God told me to move in with him. We're getting married anyways in three years. What's the big deal? Sex outside of marriage. Believers who have the courage to speak against sin that other believers are living in. Why do we need to speak up more? Because when I read the Bible this week, I actually looked up a couple passages. Liars and those who are deceived will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's why we need to speak up. We are family, and I don't want any of you to perish in hell. I want you to be with me in heaven to celebrate for eternity. So I need to have the boldness and the courage to speak up and say, stop being stupid. Seriously, right? In a good, loving way like Peter did. You have to have relationship with those people. Don't just walk up to somebody on the street and say that. You're going to get your lights knocked out, okay? Have relationship, and if you don't have relationship with them, then you go to, the, go to the leaders of the church, make them aware, and then let them handle it from there, okay? There's a lot of teaching on that, but we're not going to get into that. What do we do instead? Instead of confronting people and trying to save them from the pit of hell, do you know what we do today? And it really makes me sad, and I've been, I've been so tempted to get rid of my Facebook because of it, but I use Facebook for the glory of God, so I don't want to. I've been so tempted to get rid of Facebook for one big reason, because I see way too many Christians going on Facebook and saying things like, I'm so happy for you. I just moved in with my boyfriend today. Yay, I can't wait to bring him to church. I'm so happy for you. It's true. This is what we do. We don't want to be the bad guy. So we end up being passive. And you know what we end up doing? By going on Facebook and saying, I'm so happy that you're in an inappropriate relationship now. That you left your husband and you're with somebody else. You know what we do? We encourage sin. Well, unless it's the pastor. Then we yell, off with his head! Right? But everyone else can keep on sinning. Okay, I'm starting to rant, so I'm going to stop. Let's talk about Stephen for a minute. Just a quick, quick second. Stephen allowed the Holy Spirit. You know, Stephen was stoned to death for his beliefs, right? Stephen allowed the Holy Spirit to possess him in such a way. He was also brought before the priest. This is crazy. He was brought before the priest to answer for what God was doing through him. He was performing a lot of miracles, and the power of God was just flowing through his veins like we sing. There's one song, every time Dusty sings it, I can't help to just do this, like because I can just feel, I just want the power of God to be flowing through my veins, Right? They were so uncomfortable with what God was doing through Stephen that they called him before him. And I want you to see what happened in Acts 6.15. This is a a crazy verse. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Can you imagine being so filled with the Holy Spirit that that people see an angel instead of you? It's totally amazing. I want you to listen closely, church people, because you need to read chapter 7 on your own. Because even though he had a face of an angel, we think, aw, angel's face, aw. 
so soft, so warm, so cuddly. Can I tell you the angels are intimidating? And I don't mean that because I married one. I'm just saying I had a vision of one one time in church. I had a vision of one, a real one. I believe God took me somewhere. I know he did. There's no, no doubt about it. And I told that story before. He took me to another place, and I, I saw an angel. I didn't see his face, but I saw his body. I woke up 20 minutes later on my back. Even though Stephen had the face of an angel, do you know that Stephen went on to say this to the priest in chapter 7? Watch this. <laughs> oh, he's so cuddly and warm. God is in our midst. Through Stephen, he's going to love us, and he's not going to correct us and discipline us because we don't like those kind of sermons. We want to feel good. Just tell us we're going to heaven. Stephen says, you stiff-necked priests, you people, you church people, in heart and ears, you are stiff-necked. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you now. Ouch. Stephen, you're supposed to be warm and cuddly. You look like an angel right now. Do you know that Stephen even took on the emotions and attributes of the Spirit as he was being stoned? In the middle of being stoned, do you know what he said? Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Can you imagine such a reaction? He didn't say God judge them and kill them and slay them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit made a difference in his life. The Holy Spirit made a difference in his life. In your notes, I just want you to know this morning that the Holy Spirit is concerned about your life and your future. He is so concerned about your life and so concerned about your future. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. He even wants to warn you about what lies ahead. Isn't it time for us to allow the Holy Spirit to order our steps? Why attempt to plan your own course when he knows every inch of the road ahead, every dangerous curve, every pothole he knows about, and he wants to warn you, but if you don't include him in your life, you're, you're on your own. The Holy Spirit longs for this daily, ongoing personal relationship with you. He wants to make an entrance, a mighty entrance into your life, right? Let me end with the third part of today's message for you, and it's this. And this one's going to be really quick. I almost thought about doing a whole sermon on this, but I have a goal for the next sermon that may be our last one. I'm not sure, but I, I'm just going to give you this really quick, and some of you are going to get frustrated. But sometimes it's so that I'm going to challenge you to go home and do a study on all seven of these, okay? I'm going to end... Uh, with, with this because here's the point. You can't do any of what we talked about alone. We're supposed to be waking up every morning and we're supposed to be saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. I don't want to say or do anything today without you. So I'm asking you to assist me today. Because of that, I want to end today by giving you something that comes from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 16. Romans 8, 1 through 16, and I put the underneath every one, I put the, the reference. We're not going to read it for the sake of time. You're just going to have to do your own study on these from here, okay? Seven revelations of the joy of freedom in the Spirit that come from Benny Hinn's book. Seven revelations of the joy of freedom in the Spirit. Number one, hello, there is power over sin. Rejoice in that, folks. You do have power over your sin. The law of spirit of life gives you the freedom from sin and death. Can I get another amen? amen? Come on. We don't have to fear death. We can get freedom in our sin areas. Number two, he will fulfill the law. It's the fulfillment of the law of Moses that has produced the freedom that we now have in the spirit. 
Number three, he will give you the mind of Christ or the mind of God. We talked about this in length earlier, that you can know the secrets of God if you are filled with the Spirit of God. Number four, he will give you righteousness. The Holy Spirit will not only help you to be right morally, but also to have a right standing with God. I want you to think about something. As we talk about Christian perfection, as we talk about holiness and purity, the Holy Spirit's role is to help keep your relationship with God pure and holy, and you can't do it without him. Number five, he will give life to your body. You will walk in health. He will renew your strength like I had to ask for this morning. Renew my strength. I, I don't know why. I just don't feel awake yet. I just, I, and I want to be. By the time I bring your word, by the time I worship you, God, I want to give you my all. And I can't do it right now physically. So will you renew my strength? Holy Spirit, renew my strength. I need a fresh breeze under my wings so I can rise above this circumstance. That's what he does. Number six, he will bring death to self. So if you don't know what that means and you don't know how to do it, that's just the Holy Spirit will help you. Not a sermon, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. I will talk more about this, what this means next week. So I've been sensing lately that selfishness is the root of many of our problems today, if not all of them in and outside the church. So let's be on our knees praying for ourselves to be selfless in everything we do. Number seven, he will testify to your salvation. He will testify to your salvation. The Holy Spirit, <laughs> the Holy Spirit wants to be your lawyer. Let him. You know, when we're walking before judgment seat, we don't have to be scared because the Holy Spirit's going to be right next to us going, you did it, man. You did it. I watched. I was with you. I saw those people that you saved. You have nothing to fear. This is going to be amazing. If you don't have the Holy Spirit when you're walking before the judgment seat, I would be trembling too. The Holy Spirit is our witness. Is our, he will testify to our salvation before the throne, right? I'm not saying that's scriptural, by the way. I'm just saying that's kind of what I got from this. Do you know this is why we lose our identity so quickly and easily? Let me repeat that. This is why we lose our identity so quickly and easily and we give in to the enemy so much because there's no close relationship with the Spirit of God. Who would, by the way, if we're walking and talking with him every day, would remind us every hour of every day who we are in Christ. And even a hateful thing from our coworker, even a racist, ignorant statement thrown at us will not be able to penetrate our spirit or our soul or our mind or our heart because we have the armor of God on because the Holy Spirit reminds us every day, put on the armor because people will be stupid. They will be ignorant. They'll say dumb things, but you don't have to allow it to penetrate your soul or your spirit, right? Listen, in verse after verse, Paul tells you that it is the spirit that does the work of the Father and the Son. And God does not intend for you to stray from the path that he has set you to follow. He did not, God did not create you to fail. He did not create you to see you fail. That's why you should not become alarmed of the possibility of committing the unpardonable sin, which is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Your love for Christ outweighs Satan's influence. The battle has already been won. The Holy Spirit is longing for you and him to have a deep personal relationship. He's waiting to give you, listen, he's waiting to give you power. He's waiting to give you authority. He's waiting to give you fulfillment. And those of you are wondering, like, 
What's tomorrow? What am I supposed to do? I'm just so confused. I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do. He wants to show you. He wants to give you righteousness. He wants you to know that you have a right standing with God and you can go to judgment day with confidence that you gave God your all. He wants to give you a spirit-filled life and so much more. With that said, let's stand. Maybe Dusty, we have a little extra time. People can leave if they want. Uh, you know, obviously by 1040, we, want, we need everybody out so we can disinfect. But I just want to maybe finish with that song that we didn't get to. Worship team, come. We're going to make a decision today, right, before we leave. Let's settle this matter in our hearts together as one. Let's ask the Holy Spirit for the next step that we need to take in order for us to walk in this tremendous authority that we heard about. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you're right now everybody's eyes should be closing. And if that's not you, you should be praying for those people. Maybe your decision today is just to begin a relationship with the Lord Jesus by trusting him with your life so that you can experience the real presence of God himself. It's amazing. Those of you that remember your, your conversion moment, isn't it amazing that moment when you really realized he's real and you accepted him and made him Lord of your life? It was life-changing. And you can do that today. Just, just ask God to forgive you for your past and your sins. And then just allow him to welcome you into his family and just receive it and accept it. For those of you who have asked Jesus into your life but you fell away from God or church, maybe your decision today is to renew that relationship with God by asking him to forgive you for walking away so that you can get back into a right standing with God. We want you to receive all the blessings, all the promises, and all the favor and the revelations of the Holy Spirit, but you have to come back. Yeah? He's chasing you down. Just stop running. For believers who seem to be stuck, and this is a, Christ, this is a Christian that maybe they're saying, well, I haven't heard God's voice in so long, and I, I, I want what Pastor Mark's talking about. I want what Peter did, and I want what God's trying to share through Pastor Mark, but I just feel so dry and so empty, and I just don't know how to get back. Uh, you really can't put your finger on why, um, but there was a slow fade in your relationship with God. I'm going to challenge you this morning to pursue the Spirit. You know, pursue the Spirit. Speak to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm going to re-engage my relationship with you. Start praying to him every morning. Invite him to be part of your day. I promise you, whether you believe that right now, if you begin to do this every day and just start talking to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, things are going to be different. I promise you. And those of you that have been following Christ for some time, ask the Holy Spirit if there's anything in your life right now that you have not surrendered just yet, all of it, and then give it to him. Lean in. Lean in and on him for the power and the authority, listen, to heal. Take the authority that's been given you and heal people. Take the authority and the power that has been given to you and start sharing the gospel, listen, with boldness and courage. All of us, all of us, someday this would be my dream, I believe God's dream, that all of us walk in on Sunday morning and every one of us have a testimony of leading somebody to the Lord not just one or two. Wouldn't that be amazing? There's not a building big enough for us. By the way, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I saw a building this week that's empty that I just felt really good about. Now listen, it's way too expensive, but I'm going to go up and I'm going to go on the property and I'm going to start praying, God, if this is for us, then you need to make this happen. But we need to do our part, right? 
This is where giving comes in, faithful giving, because I wish we already had the money. We could just go up and say, it's ours. I really feel good about this property. I'm not saying it's the Lord. I'm just saying I'm going to go up and ask him. And it's really close to this building. So come on, guys. I want, I want, I want more. I want more. I know it's summer. I know attendance is down a little, but I want a building that if this happens, if we understand the power and authority that we can walk in, there's not a building big enough in the state of Pennsylvania for what could happen. Okay? Where healings and miracles are happening not just through the leaders of the church, but through you. So we have to have the boldness and the courage to heal people and share the gospel with them as Peter and John did on the way to church. Right? That's what we ask for, Lord. It's not about a bigger, bigger building. That's not what we're praying. We always just say, Lord, if, that, if that's what you want from us, a bigger place, so that more people can come to you, that's the reason. We just want more. We want more of you. We want more of Jesus' mercy and grace and forgiveness. And we want more of the power and authority of the Holy Spirit to change lives, not so we can have a big church, but just so you can have a big, more people in your big kingdom. We want to fill every slot in the kingdom and every throne and every position in the kingdom. And we want it to come from light and life. We're not going to wait for a bigger church to do it. A massive, whatever they call those big churches of 10,000 people. It can happen right here. We cannot just, we, we don't have to just win over our coworkers. We can win this entire state for you. And we don't want any of this because of us. We want all, God, we want you to get all the glory as Peter never took the glory for the healing. We want this to be all about you. That is our true heart. Holy Spirit, protect us from selfishness and fleshly desires that we remain in that place where we don't do any of this because of us. But we do it because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's the least we could do. And Holy Spirit, we need you to do that. We need you to speak to us when to build, when to move, when to speak, when to heal. We just want to walk with you every moment of every day. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I love you guys. Have a great week. Let's worship.